Well, this third Sunday that we we're going to try and think and um, deal with the area of worship. And uh, when we I've spoken with a group of people about this specific topic, it's such a broad topic. And I really resonate with what Caroline showed earlier on about, is it Tozer? Yeah. Saying, you know, the restoration. And I'm, my prayer this morning is that God is going to restore just a glimpse of his great greatness. The first Sunday we dealt with the idea of our individual worship. Um, last Sunday, we dealt with the idea of what it looks like and what are some of the things that help us or stop us to, to worship God. And this morning, I, I want to look a little bit at both, at our individual decisions as well as our corporate thing. Um, because when we talk about worship, and I've, I've been meaning to say this and perhaps I have not said it enough, when we're talking about worship, we're talking about worship as a lifestyle. We're not talking about our gathering here. Yes, this is important. We're not talking about just the song, worship, the song. We're talking about worship, our response as a lifestyle to the greatness of God. I've asked Ben to play a video for us, which is a, a parody of a worship um, song. Well, parody of worship songs. But again, this is this is this is going to set the tone for where we where we're going today.
Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect <coughs> will. I don't know if you have read the message version of this. You've got it on your sermon notes there. And it's very practical. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. Your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life. And place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention to God. You will be changed from inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging it down to its levels of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. So, there we are. Paul is asking for a different kind of worship. And there are very strong motivations as he develops through the book of Romans. Why this response should be? Why should this offering be? And the first motivation is that that bowl of cereal is that daily breakfast. And the first motivation that comes very easy from this verse is because the mercies of God. And the Bible says they are new every morning. That's why I've got the cereal bowl there. And if you read the book of Romans, from chapter 1 to chapter 9, you've got very clear developments of how these mercies of God have developed for the chosen people and for the drafted people, which Paul deals very well. For the people who are the promises of the Old Testament, for the Jews, and now for the whole church. So that means that those mercies of God that are new every morning, they are validated through Jesus Christ, but they are there for me and you to have access. And therefore, Paul is saying that I really encourage you, I really invite you, I really, well, it's a very strong word here, urge you that in the view of God's mercy, in the view of this mercy, you offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. The second motivation is that clouded question mark there, which is developed later on in the passage. And that's the will of God. How many times do we have conversations? How many times do we ask the question, 
What is the will of God for this particular situation? What is the will of God for this particular instance? What is the will of God for my life? I don't know what I'm going to be doing for the next 12 months. There are two motivations that Paul urges people that are part of the mercies of God to pursue that mercy and also the second motivation is discerning what's God's will, what's Father God's desire for my life, for this church, for this city, for this country, for each and every one. So we've got two very strong and valid motivations. But Paul is asking us, or is urging, to do something very peculiar. To offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now this is very contradictory. Because how can a sacrifice be living? I thought the sacrifice is meant to be dead. Can we have the next slide, please? Well, if we've got the understanding of sacrifices, there are two major types of sacrifices. The, ma the, the big major one um, was the sin offering. And in the Old Testament, it was done through the sacrifice of the animals and uh, also, there was uh, a day of atonement and what have you with that. But the other thing that was, was a thanksgiving sacrifice. And what Paul is urging us here is the second one, which is a sacrifice of response, of our gratitude to what Jesus has done for us and to this mercy of God, which is new every morning. So, why do we need to be leaving? What? living sacrifices. What, what does it have to, to, to do with us as, as such? And in the end of the day, why use the word sacrifice? Actually, I'd like to look at it in a different angle. Yes, it is sacrifice because it involves commitments. But the word that we sometimes miss is the word offer. The word that we sometimes miss is the word offer. <coughs> and that offering is our, in the end of the day, is our act of worship. Is our response to the greatness of God. Is a response to what God's mercies have been revealed and they've done in our lives. It's our response to what God has done with his people through the generations, what he's going to do with you. So that offer is not the end result, but it's the fruit of what God is, has done and is doing for us. It's more than that. It's, it's, it's a response to this amazing revelation that we have found in Christ. 
this amazing revelation that we find through the scriptures, this amazing revelation that we find through when we minister to one another. The key thing there is offer. And of course, yes, the word is sacrifice, so it's commitment, but also, I think, it has to do with identity. And that's the next slide. And there are two, two words that we very seldom use in our day and age at the moment. The first word is, that has to do with the identity, is the word holy. Remember, the key word was offer. And when we think about holy, we mean about being set apart. God says, be holy, for I am holy. Be set apart, be unique, for I am unique. And the other thing that is very part of the identity is that we live a life which is pleasing unto God. And that life that is pleasing unto God has got a cost. And that life that is pleasing unto God is tough. Because in the end of the day, Paul is urging us that we need to live as, or offer our bodies as living sacrifices. So the question that I've got for myself this morning, and for you, what is stopping me to come to that place of offering my body, offering my life as a living sacrifice to God, which is set apart for Him and is pleasing unto Him? Because worship is our response to God's greatness. Because worship is our response to His mercy. We are urged to look for this place of offering. But there are implications. There are implications. Because the first implication has to do with our activity. The second implication has to do with the diversity that is in the body. And the third implication has to do with our attitudes. We'll look at the three of those in the following passages as well. Uh, sorry, in the following verses. But activity. As body of believers, we tend to go into extremes. Whether very active or non-active. Whether very domineering or happy to float along and see what is said in the front. And I think this comes also with our wrong mentality that we have had about 
doing church. I saw it when I did settlement process, how wrong mentality did different churches had when they were looking for their minister. There were different stages, different churches that I had conversations with were in different stages, but it's amazing how it falls down to actually we want a minister to do everything and we would like to be not active. Well, actually, to be blunt, would rather be spectators. The other area that we fail as body of believers, and perhaps we can see it here, is that each and every one of us is diverse. It's unique. And because each and every one of us is different, there is going to be conflict. There is going to be friction. There is going to be issues. And sometimes we get scared and we get put off because we cannot be bothered to deal with the issues. That it puts us to that place of doing something together as covenanted body. Implications, attitudes. Well, the attitude is verse 3. If you look at verse 3, it says, By the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of you more highly than you ought to, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith that God has given you. Now, why all of a sudden have I jumped directly from my, our own identity, from being all of a sudden living holy and pleasing unto God, to the implications that it has to do with the body? Because it's automatic. Because we are asked to live our lives. We're asked to offer our lives as a living sacrifice. But we can only exercise that offering in a community. Because this is where we see how God is working in our lives. This is where we see, where we taste and see that God is good. But also, this is the place where we can help one another to come to the place of offering our bodies as a living sacrifice. Implications? Yes. Individual implications? Of course. Because we are being challenged. And the challenge is very high. How hard is it? It's very hard. And that's why, brothers and sisters, we need one another. We need one another because this is how it works in God's economy. That's why God invented and created the church, because we need one another. And one thing that I've never noticed before in this passage, and I've noticed this time, is that the urging is made in plural. The urging there is not made in singular individuals, 
but it's made in plural. So with this in mind, I'd like for us to think a little bit more, what does it mean for us when we say that we're going to have a covenant someday? What does it mean for us that when we say that this is the, this is the implication for us as Cairns, because not only we've got the covenant Sunday coming, but we want to take this seriously. We want, as a body of Christ, to offer our bodies a living sacrifice. We want to fulfill the mandate that God has given to the church, to be set apart for Him, and to fulfill the calling. We want to be a church that is pleasing unto God. And this is one of the reasons why we moved to this idea of let's remember and remind one another that by committing ourselves to God, we're acknowledging that we need Him more than ever. But also, let us remind one another that God has entrusted us to be members of the body. Let's read what um, Romans 12, verses 4, or 6 to... Oh, I'll start with 4. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have all the same function, so in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it's serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. Let him give gen oh sorry. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generosity. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. If it's showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Do you see how Paul, again, goes from the individual urging to plural urging and how it works out into the body of the believers? And we are not doing anything more from just reminding ourselves that when we come to this covenant service, that we need God and we need one another. For example, the wording says, we covenant with one another before God. We commit ourselves to love God and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Well, that's tough. But this is what God has asked us. This is what God commands. This is the new commandment that Jesus gave to his disciples. We commit ourselves to follow Jesus, through whom God has reconciled the world by his death and resurrection, and in whom we continue the work of reconciliation. This is what God, what Jesus left as a mandate for his disciples again. Once they reconciled with him, they said, go and make disciples. Go and tell the others that they could have the same reconciliation. And therefore, we commit, it's the next sentence, ourselves to proclaim Jesus as Saviour and Lord and through the power of Holy Spirit 
to bring good news to the poor, to set free the oppressed, to be a people of peace. It's a reminder. It's a prayer. God, help us. We commit ourselves to each other and this congregation, promising to love our brothers and sisters in God's family and to pray for each other. Offering. Offering can be demanding. It's a sacrifice. We commit to share our time, our decisions, our love, our talents, our possessions for everyone's good. We commit each other to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build us up for His glory. Yes, it's a reminder. Yes, it's a prayer. But also, it's a step of faith. We commit each other to God and to the word of His grace. Do we really believe that the mercies of God are the real motivations of our worship? Do we really, truly believe on the power of His word that is able to deliver us His grace, is able to build us up for His glory? And that's why covenant is formed. I see some of you are very pensive. I have not intended this morning to develop the theme of Romans 12 a lot, and I've run out of time as well. But I just wanted to stop and think a little bit before we carry on with the next song. And read through Romans 12, 1 and 2 in your seminars. And Think of your current situation. Think of this coming week. Think of this coming Sunday. And commit to God that thing that is stopping you to come to that place of offering. And I just want to finish with the last slide. The application. In our offering, our body is a living sacrifice. In our response to worship, in our response to commit, to look after one another, we want to walk together and watch over one another. This is this last slide has got um, fragments from the covenant um, document that you've got on your email. If you have not got that document, please, there are copies in the end, they're folded. Help yourself to one of those and what we mean by that. Also, we are individually presenting our bodies but corporately moving from past ways that were displeasing to our Creator God. We're moving to an annual covenant, hoping that this would help us to our commitment to Christ 
and to one another. And I'm sure some of you will have questions about this. Um, I'm more than happy. Or talk to one of the elders. We've had a lot of conversation in the past months. What does it mean? And if you've got questions about the setup, if, if you think that a piece of information that is on folded papers is not enough, feel free to, to come see any of us. But seriously, consider it. Because God is serious about it. God is serious about commitment of His people. And His word today is urging me and it's urging you to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and pleasant unto Him. Let's help one another with that. As we are now called to help us. Let's pray. God, we, well, I pray, Lord, that you will restore that glimpse of your greatness in my life and the life of each and every one of us in this congregation, in the life of this church, in the life of this, church, this church's ministries. Lord, and as we've been thinking about worship as lifestyle, we pray that today by the, Holy, by the power of your Holy Spirit, which you have promised to us, that you will enable each and every one of us to come to that place of response, of offering everything, Lord, that you are worth. But also, Lord, I pray that you will not only enable us individually, but you will enable us corporately. So as your people, we come. We come to worship because you have invited us. We come to worship because you've asked us to be holy and to be set apart. We come to worship because we really want, Lord, for our lives to be pleasing unto you. Lord, restore unto us the joy of our salvation. Prompt us by your Spirit this week and help us, God, as we help one another. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen.